There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Tony Price. We're off to a bash MD, Hackmaster, and Andy Rep Bernard. Thanks to Mary and Jim for coming in. Uh, that's, what do you think of that, Minnesota? Yeah, Mary and Jim came by. <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. Varla Ventura will join us right after this Tom Bernard show. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Michael Bryant. He, yes. he, he said, you know, I talk, he's the only guy that's awake when I wake up in the morning. He texts me sometimes anywhere between 2 a.m. and about 4.30. He sends me text messages. And this morning at about, I don't know, five, I think it was about 5 o'clock, he goes, hey, have you seen Halloween yet? Let's go to the 2.40. <laughs> like, no, I have not seen Halloween yet. But I could. Uh, you know, it's Halloween. Go see the movie Halloween. I always liked Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie anyway. Melissa and I watched Hocus Pocus yesterday. Was that any good? It was funny. It was supposed to be funny, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was funny? Mm-hmm. Now, is that a remake? No. Wasn't there a Hocus Pocus movie like 25 years ago? With- yeah, it's 1993, so yeah. That's, That's the, the one, one we watched. 25 years ago. Oh, exactly. you watched a 25-year-old movie? Yeah. Oh, yes, we did. Let me know when Varla's ready to go. She is ready. Oh, she is ready? Yep. Varla, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Happy Mar- Halloween season. Uh, happy Halloween <laughs> Eve. So it's Halloween Eve, Halloween, Halloween yeah. which is the eve of All Hallowed and also All Saints Day, right? Is All, all Saints Day, is that That's November right. 1st? Yeah. Yes. All, all Saints Day, November 1st. 
All Souls Day, November 2nd, also known as Dia de los Muertos or Day of the Dead. Dia de los Muertos. I think that's in a commercial right now, but I can't remember. Mm. I think that's oh, dear. True. <laughs> uh, ten freaky places you can visit in Minnesota. I assume most of them are in North Minneapolis. Is that true? <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> she just, I don't think any of them are. Actually. My old day. Well, it's plenty freaky growing up there. I'll tell you that. It was a lot of fun, though, too. It was great. So the 10 freaky places you can visit. Do these tend to be rural places and in St. Paul? <laughs> or, or is that one in the same? No. Yeah. Um, Ooh, no, I, actually, I, I tried to pull together um, places from all over, and I tried to focus on places that people could actually go and see that they didn't or stay overnight or um, so we've got everything from you know like a public cemetery to haunted hotels really? yeah haunted um, how many so, haunted hotels are there because there are quite a few of those yeah, out there there sure are there are quite a few I only have let's see how many do I have on my list I actually only have one on my list um, of these particular just I uh, tried to be diverse but there are a number that are in Minnesota, absolutely. And I picked one that I thought was slightly more obscure. It's the Calumet Inn in Pipestone, Minnesota. And um, actually, it's, it's a beautiful-looking old hotel. Yeah. It's all made of that gorgeous brownstone, um, or pipestone, I suppose. And uh, uh, it was built in 1887, so it's been around since um, the railroad came through. And uh, it is supposed to be one of the most haunted hotels in Minnesota. Um, nothing terribly um, threatening, but things like the piano in the dining room playing on its own, uh, apparitions of men and women in sort of turn-of-the-century attire roaming the halls, and things like objects moving around, lights turning on and off. And it is said, actually, that the uh, room 207 is one of the most haunted that the front desk reportedly gets phone calls where someone in the room orders up all of these specialty items. And when the uh, worker brings the, these items up, uh, you know, room service or whatever it is, the people staying in the room say, well, I didn't call or no one's actually staying in that room. So I guess there's a, a prankster ghost there. And it's also nearby the Pipestone National Monument and um, Winniewissa Falls, I think that's how you say it. So there's a lot to do right in that area. So you can, but you can actually book a room. Um, I imagine they're sold out for what, Halloween. What is the? <laughs> but what you is never the, know. <laughs> what is the monument in Pipestone? What is it dedicated to? The Pipestone National Monument is actually part of. Um, it's you know it's a sacred area where uh, Native Americans would come oh, and get yeah. uh, materials to make pipes and other sacred objects out of, and it is still in use today. Um, it's been preserved, but there are places that you can. It's a quarry essentially, and you can still hike and see. It's a um, very beautiful red stone there. A lot of it is this gorgeous kind of red color. So it all Native Americans use it to make to make pipes, mm -hmm. pipes and other sacred items. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, and it's still there. It's a national park, actually, or a national monument. So, who's yeah. the most famous person from Pipestone, Minnesota? I know Greg Osham's from there, but he's that, not all that famous. I don't know who would, is anybody that I famous. Don't from, know. Andy, who's who's from? Who's the most famous person from Pipestone? Andy reported the other day, Varla, by the way, that uh, the town I was born in, Long Prairie, Minnesota, there are three what they call famous people or well-known people from uh, that were born in Long Prairie, Minnesota, and it was written thusly. There was a Congressional Medal of Honor winner that was born there in, was that the late 1800s, early 1900s, Andy? Uh, yeah, I think he was born in like 1910 or something. And then, unfortunately, Jody Hoosentrout, who ended up uh, disappearing, uh, presumed murdered, I guess, down in uh, oh, Mason City, Iowa. You, you remember hearing about Jody Hoosentrout. The, the, she was a news anchor down in Mason City, Iowa, and she was abducted and has never been seen again. So it's like Congressional Medal of Honor winner, victim of a kidnapping, possible <laughs> murder, and then at the end it goes, and Tom Bernard. That's all it says. It goes, and Tom Bernard. Whoever that is. Whoever that is. Which good, is co good company. Yeah, I'm in good company. That's right. A Congressional Medal of Honor and a woman who's disappeared and me. I'd say the most famous person from Pipestone would be John Lutz. Who's John Lutz? He's an actor. He was on 30 Rock. Uh, oh, really? Oh, oh other stuff. he's from Pipestone? Hmm. 
Yep, and then some... I had no idea. Roy Alexander Gano, an admiral in the Navy. Charles Tisdale Howard, an attorney, speaker of the House, etc. And Vern Ehlers, a U.S. representative from Michigan. Never heard of any of them. Yeah. Moving so, forward. Not... Anyone famous? <laughs> Not anyone famous. So Varla, we've left the monument and the what, what's the, it's the Calumet Hotel? Is that what you said? The, it's called the Calumet Inn or the Calumet Historic Hotel. Oh, okay. You and could, you, yeah, but uh, its website is Calumet Inn, so C A L U M E T I N N. I do love the uh, old hotels in the state of Minnesota. That we we always stay at the uh, St. James down in Red Wing when we go down there. Fitker's up in Duluth. Uh, there are so many great hotels in the state oh, of yeah. Minnesota. Is that true about all states in the United States? They have their old the old fashioned hotels, or have they torn most well, of those I down? Think that, Oh, I think you can find them all over as long as somebody has preserved them, you know. That yeah. I think, and, and often you find, you know, that's actually what I like the most about ghost hunting and sort of finding these haunted places is that you so often find out about hidden history that way. Yeah. You'll, you'll have these very dedicated historians and docents who spend time in these places, these museums, these old abandoned sanatoriums and things like that. And... Um, or people who work in restaurants and hotels and spend a lot of time there, and they'll have these experiences, these paranormal experiences. But even if you are just in it for the history, you learn so much because people that are so interested and invested in a place, a historic place like that, often know more about it than you know someone who's just kind of passing through yeah. or yeah, um, you know not paying attention. So I I always. Whenever I travel, I obviously I have an interest in the paranormal, but I always try and book a, a ghost tour because I feel like at least I'll get a really interesting history tour, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I like that idea. Okay, so Pipestone, and where do we go next? So next, we're just going to come swing right back around. We're going to go to, to the Roselawn Cemetery in Roseville, Minnesota. And oh, yeah. this is a very beautiful cemetery. It's it one is. of the most beautiful cemeteries, I think, in the Twin Cities. Very large, lots of big monuments. And it's for about the last 40 to 50 years, there have been reports, of maybe a little longer, of this uh, apparition that everybody just calls Smiling Jack. And you hear now you hear all kinds of uh, different reports about whether or not Smiling Jack is actually um, around. Or, but he said it said that when people are walking through the cemetery, they have numerous times called the police and said that it sounds like somebody's trapped inside a mausoleum, and it's always this same particular mausoleum, uh, which has a stained glass image of a smiling man. And there's all these great legends associated with it. If you walk up to it and he's not smiling, you're, it means you're going to die soon. Oh. You know, all those kind of like um, haunted, um, you know, Halloween night scares and things like that. Uh, but in addition to uh, people saying that they hear this disembodied voice, there have been uh, accounts of, a lot of people have gotten orbs and interesting images and photographs, and many people who frequent, and by the way, I don't know if you know this term, but there are, when people live near cemeteries, especially big ones, um, you know, they're beautiful places to walk, and you can actually get a lot of your steps in roaming through the cemetery, and there's no traffic, you know, right. little to no traffic, uh, beautiful, peaceful places. And so a friend of mine that lives nearby a big cemetery in uh, Stillwater said, oh, we just, we all, we call each other the walkers, which is also kind of a funny reference to the walking dead. Of course. Right, but when right. a walker is walking, <laughs> I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty funny. You're the walkers. Okay. So uh, anyway, people have caught a lot of things on footage and there are several different uh, uh, people who have made comments on different paranormal investigation websites saying that they've heard moans, or had an eerie experience in that cemetery. So I have a question for you, Varla. Um, is there a certain faith that has more uh, more ghosts involved with it? Like, I assume, I, I'm just assuming by the neighborhood that there are a lot of Catholics buried in the Roselawn Cemetery, right? Oh, uh, well, I mean, Catholics traditionally talk about ghosts, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do, right. Um <laughs> 
But I think, you know, a lot of cemeteries will have you know, one part Catholic, one part um, Protestant. I think that cemeteries tend to attract the idea of, of hauntings because yeah. there are so many dead bodies there, so it kind of increases the odds that you might have a spirit encounter of some kind. But it's not necessarily true. I think there's something about walking through a cemetery that just inherently freaks us out. It's probably our own fear of death. I can't. Or our own fascination with it. <laughs> I've never gotten that. In, even when I was a little kid, Varla, I never cared about It's a cemetery. But people are afraid of cemeteries. I never understood yeah. that. Why? Everybody's dead. You what know, do you care? Everybody's dying to get in. Same for me. <laughs> My, in, in. in fact, no, no. In fact, uh, the thing you have to fear in cemeteries most often are the other living people. Oh, yeah. No You don't question. need to be afraid of yeah. the dead. <laughs> No, you're because right about I, that. I grew up having, we always went to cemeteries, picnics in cemeteries, walked through the cemetery on Halloween, spent a lot of time reading about the names and what you try and find the oldest grave in the cemetery. So, again, there's that beautiful monument to history that's yeah. there. Yep. And they're very peaceful. And certainly for myself, um, as a young woman moving from, I'm not, Saying I'm a young woman anymore, mind you, but as a young woman, whenever I would move to a new city, <laughs> yeah, I always found them to be a safe place to be. You could be there if you were upset about something. You could cry. No one would look twice at you. You know, you wouldn't have to worry about some weirdo coming up to you telling you to smile. And there's none of those things. You could just be yourself amongst the gravestones. And so I always found them comforting and safe in many ways. So <laughs> that's a wonderful. Not necessarily scary. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this because, <laughs> you know, basically you have Protestants and then you have Catholics, which are Catholics. Are, I grew up Catholic myself. It's kind of the bridge between Protestants and Jews, actually, because there's the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then the Catholics are, I believe, the only faith that, that reads both the New Testament and the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering why Jews don't, really believe much in ghosts maybe they do but they don't believe in hell so if you're an evil an evil person do they just you don't go to hell because they don't believe in hell so i kind of wonder why there aren't more jewish ghosts so you're saying you're saying well, there you're, are things like the golem yeah the golem oh that's right see i forgot all about the golem you're right so they do have it it always and makes sense. there's of, um, it always makes sense there's always a reason for all this stuff always it's amazing. Absolutely. And there, there are just different, uh, it's a different approach to sort of cemetery culture as well. Um, for example, you're never supposed to take a photograph in like an Orthodox Jewish cemetery. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's, so because of that and because of, oh, you know, all the hundreds of years of persecution, many of the graves have been um, destroyed or oh, disrupted. Yeah. And so you don't always have the snapshot that you have. Like, you know, when you go to a, a Catholic cemetery, you know, you will, you would never see that destroyed. Because well, it's because of the Italians. They wouldn't put up with it. Preserved. You don't want to mess the with Italians' graves. Yeah. You don't need that. This is true. <laughs> Varla, you're the best in business. Varla Ventura, happy Halloween tomorrow. Are you, are you going to go trick-or-treating? Happy Halloween. Of course. All right. I wanted to make sure. Of course sure. I am. Thank you, Varla. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Have, Have a, a great nice day. day. <laughs> Varla Ventura, ladies and gentlemen. Happy haunting. Ten freaky places you could visit in Minnesota. Haunted sites, some oddity places, a haunted hotel or two. Again, it's Varla Ventura, not related to Jesse Ventura. It's her real last name. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Okay. So we'll just go right into the... Yeah, uh, but Tony turn has off. to leave. Yeah, just oh, turn okay. off it's time to give you an update on my successful weight loss journey. I'm down 92.5 pounds thanks to my friends at Nutramost of Plymouth, the official and only provider of the Nutramost program in Minnesota. I've never been down this road before where I've lost so much weight and then kept it off. So now I'm on the Nutramost Forever Maintenance Program. This program reminds me to keep hydrated, about healthy eating habits, and what to eat to keep my healthy weight. To find out how to be successful losing weight, attend the Nutramost in Plymouth. It's a free dinner on Monday, November 12th at 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Nutramost guarantees that you'll lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. But heads up, there are copycat programs claiming to be cheaper with the same results, but they don't take into account the detailed specifics of your body to customize the program for you. 
Register for the Nutramost Dinner on November 12th. Call 763-333-7337. That is 763-333-7337. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. We're back in the saddle again. I just thought I'd do the music myself. Ralph Basham is here. Andy's here. I'm here. Uh, the big word is, of course, ladies and gentlemen, that your 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 boy, as they say, you say in my old neighborhood, uh, Whitey Bulger has been killed in prison. He was transferred from uh, Supermax to uh, West Virginia. Well, here's the story, as a matter of fact, right here. Oh, guy, they have his original mobster uh, mug shots. It's hilarious. James Whitey Bulger, the South Boston mobster and FBI informer who was captured after 16 years on the run and finally brought to justice in 2013 for a murderous reign of terror that inspired books, films, and a saga of Irish brotherhood and brutality, was found dead on Tuesday in a West Virginia prison. He was 89 years old. Mr. Bulger, who had been serving two life sentences for 11 murders, he only got two life sentences for 11 murders? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. He was found unresponsive at 8.20 Tuesday morning, according to a statement from the Federal Bureau of Prisons. It said that life-saving measures were initiated, but that he was pronounced dead by the Preston County Medical Examiner. The statement did not indicate a cause of death, but it said that no one else was injured and that an investigation was underway. Mr. Bulger had just been moved to the penitentiary that day, today, in Hazleton. Uh, the latest in a series of prison transfers. He had earlier been incarcerated in Tucson, Oklahoma City, and most recently Florida. So he hasn't been in Supermax in a long time. I didn't know that. Huh. Did you know that? No, I didn't. And I, and, I, why, and maybe there's no reason for him to be in Supermax, just based on his age, yeah, based on yeah. you know, where's point. he going? Where are you going? Yeah, he's not going anywhere. That's very, very true. So this story does not say this, but we had heard that he was indeed murdered. The day he arrived at West Virginia, he was murdered that day. I'm assuming the person who murdered him will come forward because they're probably serving multiple life sentences anyway. I don't know that the... They haven't, West Virginia hasn't executed anybody in a while now, have they? No, I don't, I don't think so. Not that I know of any. How about that guy? What prison was that, Andy? Would you check that out? I th- God, I can't remember where it was. But the guy... Apparently, for some reason, he he didn't get to the the uh, chamber where they give him the lethal injection, and he he like was making jokes about it. Oh, sorry, I got deterred on my way over here. I'm sorry, I'm late for my own death. But you know, uh, my mother kind of told me, I, yeah, you'd be you'd be late for your own funeral. So I guess I was. The guy's joking around about lethal injection oh, <laughs> about two minutes before he's going to get lethal injection. I don't know. But there was, yeah, some guy was joking. Oh, it was South Dakota. That's where it was. Oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, it was in South Dakota. So I don't know what that's all about, but, uh, you know. Talk about being nervous. His last words were, sorry for the delay, I got caught in traffic. (laughs) (laughs) His last words, sorry for the delay, I got caught in traffic. Mm. Oh, my God. You know, I will say this. Part of the reason they say things like that is because a lot of criminals are morons. They're just not very smart. And that's, yeah, you know, that's just, uh, and if you're a, uh, a murderer, then I guess you're pissed off at me, but tough hop. Um, but in any case, I, I just, I, I don't think I could pull that off, knowing that I was about to die 
say, sorry, I'm late. I got caught in traffic. <laughs> Maybe I could, though. Maybe do Jackie Gleason. Sorry, Pally. Sorry, Pally. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> Couldn't I just drink myself to death? That'd be pretty good. Uh, oh, my God. Now they're coming out. Seven days left here the state of the midterm. They're really getting nervous about this now. They really are. Who's nervous? Both sides? Both sides. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're just, they're both beside themselves in this whole situation. I have to go blow, uh, talk for a couple of minutes. I'll be right back. Okay. <clears throat> we can talk. We can talk at all. It was just, I'll tell you, I think we need a good freeze so I don't get all choked up. And you don't got the allergies, do you? You're not getting the allergies. Not as bad as him, which is weird. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I don't know where all that came from. You don't? You th- what do you think about Whitey Bolger? Do you, you know, I, I yeah. when you hear, I'm, I'm not nearly as into mob stuff as Dad is. You aren't. I don't think uh, anyone is. Anyone is into mob stuff like that. Like him, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he, he does. He does enjoy the intrigue of the whole uh, uh, family and uh, the dedication yeah. of the family and and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it goes along with him being a, a good family man and dedication. He really maybe can be. Uh, empathetic to the uh, when he said loyalty and that sort of stuff because mm-hmm. he he is loyal to you and uh, the kid to to you and a- Alex and also the grandkids really something so oh someone just tried to shoot up a McDonald's oh where's that uh Alabama someone in Birmingham tried to a masked gunman burst into the restaurant as a worker opened the door for the family to exit opening fire, but then a man took out a pistol and shot him dead. So, shooter got shot. You know, that is a that is a scary, scary thing to do. Yeah. To, to, to know, as a person, as a civilian, uh, uh, using deadly force, because sometimes you don't know exactly what's going on. And, you know, you, you, there, there's there's been talk of uh, if you make the wrong decision— you know, it's because it's possible that somebody in that situation, you, you, the guy walks in and starts shooting, and someone else pulls out a gun, and you shoot the wrong person uh, because you thought the other person was shooting. Or there are two people yeah. with guns, but that's you know that's justice. And they and they say you know people, uh, gun supporters have always said that in Switzerland, rather than uh, accepting maybe the culture is different, that uh, they said that the reason there's less violent crime there is because every House there has an uh, has a military automatic weapon. Yep, that's because true. Because everybody's in the, in the service and more than one, so they say that the violent crime is so much less there because uh, you, you're facing automatic weapons. Afraid of getting shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, civilians can't even have automatic weapons in America. Well, you can, but the licensing process is so well, lengthy yeah. and so costly. To have a machine gun is it just mm. it costs a huge amount, and and I don't. It's it's in the tens of thousands of dollars to get that process done not to mention to buy the weapon the weapon themselves are terribly expensive here's the uh purple gynecologist thing dad was talking about earlier oh the purple gynecologist thing what was it say let's see oh make make me proud to be a physician oh he thought it was he thought guy thought it was really funny he Uh, he dyed her uh, vagina dr barry king of basic county that's it uh let's see that's the one. Woman found a vaginal lesion, so she went to Dr. King. Um, Who she worked for. Yes. And then she used the bathroom after, and the toilet paper ended up purple. And then King admitted he dyed her vagina as a joke for her husband. Yeah, so basically he was uh, hoping she'd go home that night, have sex with her husband, and then his penis would have turned purple. Sounds that like this was guy a joke, is a little crazy. What kind of doctors you got over there, Ralph? Well, you know, I've, I've said it. I've said it time and time again, is that the medical school acceptance program is <laughs> terribly flawed. Yeah. Because you get screwball like this yeah. doing something like this, and then you got the guy, the, the orthopedic surgeon, who now is charged with killing uh, people for in sexual escapades that was in southern Southern california you have a a number of physicians well and when i was in chicago once a year once every other some some doc was was hauled up on hardcore medicare fraud when i was a resident in chicago you get you know you have a number of physicians who 
are uh, investigated because of overprescription of narcotics, which is a terrible problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's just and, – and the chemical dependency rate among physicians is just as high as any place else. You'd think you'd be able to weed some of those people out. During you the medical think, school acceptance, yes. and they go, no, they just want the, we just want the people to have the good numbers. We got, we do chiron by the numbers. Is that what you it know? is? It's like a combine. Yeah, it's like oh, a combine. Yeah. Oh, well, you have, oh, this is your grade point average, and this is what you did on the ACT, and this is what you did on the SAT, and this is what you did on the MedCAD, and that's, oh, you got to be good because you're smart. Oh and God! Don't do anything with regards to personality, uh, or, or talking about uh, morality or, or yeah, anything or morality like or that. anything. We don't want to do an MMPI. On these people, doing MMPI. Why don't they? Or do the Myers Briggs? Do them both. Do them both, and just see see where they lie. See what see what kind of you know things come up. We have Bill Mosley on the. Was Bill ready to go? I got to point something out to Ralphie before we go to our guest, or while we go to our guest. Remember when I used to have that bump there on my finger? It went away. Didn't go away. I hammered it with a book on a. I put my finger on a tabletop and hit it with a book. Oh, you do. And it just went away after I did that. So, so it's, it was a, it, what it is. It was a, a ganglion cyst, yeah. Ganglion cyst. Sure didn't feel like it. didn't seem attached. That's what I was saying. No. And I told several people that, and they went, oh my God, that must have hurt. I said, it didn't hurt at all. I said, hammering your own finger didn't hurt. I said, well, I suppose you would probably think it did. But I do have a very, well, you know yeah, that right. I have a very right. high you threshold for pain. You don't feel anything. Well, love for you. But no, other that, than that, thank you. Know, yeah, that's thank a you. different thank deal. You. Bill Mosley, how are you doing, Bill? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to you. you guys. Yeah, you sound insane. We are insane. <laughs> it's absolutely true, Bill. We're nuts. Uh, well, look, <laughs> well, we're in, we're in, we're in, right at home. Yeah, we're in radio. I mean, you know, there, there aren't any normal people in radio or television. <laughs> you know that. It's true. Um, right. I have to tell you, Bill, that I since the time, and maybe it was uh, Psycho, uh, was the movie that that. Uh, tripped it all for me. I've been a huge horror film uh, buff for my entire life, and I think a lot of it had to do with the movie Psycho, because it scared me like there was a... When he... Well, see, I don't want to say... I don't want to ruin it. ...what it is, but but that... When that chair spins around at the end, it's like, holy God! I was terrified. I think I was yeah. about 11, 12 years old or something. Uh, I oh my god that it well it was the out. swinging lamp that really did it for me oh yeah the swinging lamp I forgot about that the, swing, the swinging lamp and the shadows and the empty eye socket yeah I, I just you know Tony Perkins Anthony Perkins was a hell of an actor but he he always played a nut job whether it was Jimmy Pearsall or it was you know uh, Norman right fear strikes out fear strikes out yeah he was fantastic in that movie but he always played a nut job oh, so where should we start, uh, Bill Mosley, discussing classic horror and films and his work on experiment? Yeah, he inherited the nut mantle from Montgomery Clift. Oh, I loved Montgomery Clift, too. Hell of an actor. No, no. Yes, he also was very edgy and sketchy. Remember, he did the, uh, uh, yeah, he, just about all of his, suddenly last summer, he did a lot of crazy stuff. Even Red River, he was crazy. Yeah, that's pretty much true. Kind of sketchy. Bill, how did you get involved in the in the yep. horror film? Uh, was it just an interest? I mean, how did you get involved with horror films in the first place? Well, when I was a kid, I used to, uh, you know, I come from northern Illinois, Barrington, Illinois. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had uh, our local our local uh, horror night was, uh, I think it was either Friday, Friday midnight, maybe. We had something called Shock Theater. That was like the local scare program on on a local station sure. and uh i would risk i loved horror movies so much that i would risk uh, my parents wrath and i would sneak over the creaking boards of the hall into the library and turn on the black and white zenith and uh watch uh all the great uh, midnight horror movies like creature from the black lagoon beginning mm-hmm. of the end with the giant uh grasshoppers uh you know last man on earth with vincent price all kinds of classic black and white horror stuff that I just couldn't get enough of. How about how about the blob? The so, blob. I mean, it was it was always in my blood. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we locally we had Horror Incorporated, and as a matter of fact, I did the intro I, for the show. Welcome to Horror oh, Incorporated. Oh yeah, what? Well, was very cool. kids. I loved by by the way Count Floyd on SCTV. That was my favorite <laughs> favorite host of a scary show. Right. Count Floyd, Floyd was phenomenal. Right. 
Count Floyd. Really? Is that who we are? Yeah. Uh, do you have an all-time favorite uh, horror film. I, most people, it's The Exorcist. I just talked to Linda Blair this morning. As a matter of fact, what a pleasant person she is. You know, we're we're pals. She has a wonderful uh, dog rescue. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, just uh, north of here in Los Angeles, and uh, she's a she's great. I love Linda. Yeah, I love her laugh. She's got that kind of salty cackle, like uh, you know, uh, an old you know. Uh, World weary dame sometimes. <laughs> she does. That's exactly how she laughs. She goes. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Actually, yeah, I, she's a, very funny. after we disconnected this morning, I asked the question because she was only eleven years old when she played uh, Reagan in the original Exorcist, and I just Reagan McNeil. Yeah, yeah. I just wondered if she ever called for a for a line reading while they were shooting the film. Like, what does my mother do in hell? What is that? <laughs> What's that line again? Yeah, right. <laughs> like... well, I, I had a, I had a film. I used to uh, host, co-host a, a film series in college called Things That Go Bump in the Night. And one of our uh, favorite lines was uh, we kind of twisted that line from The Exorcist into your mother cooks socks in hell. Of course she does. There's no question. Bill, I have to take a very quick break, but I'll be she back in just, just a few seconds. All right. Back more with Bill right. Mosley right after this Tom Bernard show. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's probably true, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. Bill Mosley, our special guest. Bill, I'm going to turn this entire segment over to you because I want to hear all about... uh all about horror films. I want to hear about the rock and roll. I worked for Capitol Records from 1977 to 1982. Almost 1983, actually. So I love horror films, and I worked in the record business myself. Although I should probably not tell that to a, uh, a record producer. Because, but I will tell you this. I never had control over the, over the purse string, so you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I do. Uh, where should we start? You want to start with horror films, or you want to start with rock and roll records? Uh, we can do rock and roll. Uh, you know, I grew up outside of Chicago, so I was always listening to Dick Biondi on WLS oh, sure. and uh, later WCFL. I had a transistor radio under my pillow because, uh, you know, when I'd been put to bed, I was put to bed. And so uh, all of that stuff was considered uh, outside of the laws of the Mosley family. Oh, yeah, I so suppose I, that's I true. Was risking, I was risking listening to Dick Biondi. Just thinking about Dion DeMucci today and Dion. all the great uh, the great rock and roll of the late fifties, early sixties. Um, so that kind of shaped me, as well as you know these uh, crazy horror shows. And uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, subgenres was uh, had to have been of horror films had to have been the Atomic Mutation movies. Oh yes, yeah, so. <laughs> that's you know, right. I Giant Ants, I liked uh, Beginning of the End, the Giant Grasshoppers, there was the Deadly Mantis, you know, there was always post-apocalyptic or uh, some kind of atomic mutation stuff, 
I loved uh, Gaijin movies, all the Godzilla, Rodan, all that stuff. So uh, that really kind of shaped my, uh, that was my cultural, those are my cultural influences. We were talking earlier. No, along with uh, William S. Burroughs and Jack Kerouac. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. You... Yeah, you had some real uh, real icons to follow there with those with those two guys. No question about that. Do you think, Absolutely. Bill, do you think part of the whole horror genre, we were talking about this earlier on the show today, that human beings absolutely have to have something, whether it's a creature, an atomic uh, abnormality, or giant ants, or Frankenstein, or the mummy, or whatever. Human beings have to watch evil being overcome and destroyed by, by other human beings. I think it, does it really, I guess it's very good for the human psyche to watch that. Now, some people like it, and other people, like my son Andy, who's here, finds horror films to be boring as hell. So, do you think, Andy, that's part, you don't feel a need to overcome evil? I guess not. Probably not. Do you think that was part of it for you, Bill? <laughs> that's, the, that's a pretty heavy question. Well, it is, isn't it? Uh, I, I would care ask my daughters that question. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, that's um, the fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, geez. I don't. I don't really get in. I don't get. To, I don't get that deep into it. But um, frankly, uh, you know, there's the classic morality play. Yep. And yep. Uh, where you know, good triumphs in the end, and everybody's happy. I guess. Uh, but a lot of horror movies end up pretty bleak, you know, where yeah, they're, yeah. either they're setting up well, so the monster actually stirs again, like Halloween or Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. These guys, you know, you think they're dead and everybody's happy, and then there's a little glimmer of life. Um, so you realize that the evil never dies. Uh, well, that's so I exactly think it really what I'm comes saying. down to daily battles in our lives with evil, because, you know, it can never fully triumph. Uh, you just have, uh, you just try to win the battle. Looking at the titles, Bill, it looks like you're a huge fan of Rob Zombie. Uh, he has signed many a paycheck for me, and uh, for that, I'm truly grateful. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I, I did, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. He's another guy, by yeah. the way. I've interviewed Rob Zombie several times because, you know, I do a morning show as well and been on that show for 33 years. Nice, nicest guy in the world. Rob Zombie is a really nice guy. Great guy. Yep. So funny because everybody, you know, a lot of people think that he is, you know, some kind of crazy evil guy that probably performs black magic rituals uh, in his basement. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a really, you know, very level-headed guy, great sense of humor, wonderful imagination, loves the same things that I love. He has a beautiful wife mm-hmm. who I think, uh, like Linda Blair with World Heart does... Uh, her foundation rescues uh, pit yeah. bulls. Yep. And yep. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie uh, has a, not a foundation, but she rescues uh, goats. She uh, rescues have, goats? Uh, Rob and Sherry have a farm in, I think it's Kent, Connecticut or something, and they have, uh, she rescues goats. That's I a... didn't know they needed rescuing, but uh, the ones that do, uh, if they're lucky enough, find their way to, uh, to Sherry's farm. And, uh, so they're really just uh, really down to earth, very fun, uh, very loyal and loving people. I love goats that faint. They're my and, favorite. And uh, by the way, writes uh, some great movies. Yeah, a really interesting movie. Do you think next time you talk to Rob, ask him a question for me? If White Zombie came out today, would it have to be called Racially Ambiguous Zombie? Uh, that is a Rob question. <laughs> Mercifully. <laughs> Mercifully it is. Um, do you, so is there an all-time, the number one horror film, not, not maybe the first one, but your favorite horror film of all time? Is there one? You know, uh, I'd, I'd have to say just because of, uh, you know, how deeply it impacted me, I would have to say it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original. Yeah, oh, the original one, yeah. I mean, I would say that uh, the greatest horror movie of all times, I, I concur with your guest, it's, it's got to be The Exorcist. That was an amazing movie. It was. Uh, but uh, just in terms of the one that really rocked my socks would have to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So when I saw it, I saw it in 1976 uh, in, uh, what it, in the what is called the Combat Zone of uh, Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> kind of like the Times Square, very seedy, dilapidated. Yeah. I saw it in an old theater that had been, uh, I think it had its glory days in the 30s, called the Paramount Theater. 
Uh, Chainsaw was on the, the tail end of a double bill with Enter the Dragon. Oh, it was what? A Sunday afternoon. So it was a very funky, vociferous crowd that was yelling, you know, kick his ass, Bruce! And Bruce Lee was <laughs> stopping everybody. By the way, so Bill. So it was a rocket crowd. We were all in good humor and lathered up. And then, uh, then came Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and literally from the opening few seconds of uh, that tortured uh, violin string and mm-hmm. the kind of the slow strobe of a rotted corpse. I mean, it just took everybody's breath away, and it never really gave it back. No, it's very so true. So I'd say it, it freaked me out. So, and I, in college, I had, uh, you know, as I say, run a film series called Things That Go Bump in the Night and showed a bunch of, uh, you know, showed a bunch of uh, horror movies. I've been into them all my life. But that freaked me out. Yeah, that makes because sense. of that, I ended up seeing the movie another seven or eight times back before VHS and, you know, cable and all that stuff, uh, just so that I could become familiar with it. And uh, it would kind of pull that spike out of my head, but it, it only drove it in deeper. <laughs> and then finally, one day I was working on a ranch in Wyoming and I was working next to a crazy sugar addled kid who blurted out he was singing some Captain Crunch theme song. We're working under the hot sun on a ranch in uh, Cora, Wyoming. And he blurted out, Texas Chainsaw Manicure. Man. I went, what the heck? And I went back to the bunkhouse and, uh, and I wrote out a five-minute scenario. I came back to New York City where I was living and uh, gathered some friends, took over uh, Sonia's hair fashions on Staten Island, New York, and uh, really? we shot the Chainsaw Manicure. How did that And go? I gave myself a cameo as the hitchhiker from the original uh, Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah, well. And I'll... a friend of mine was uh, a screenwriter uh, and was uh, had, a, had happened to have at that time an office across the hall from Toby Hooper, director of to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and uh, I gave him a VHS copy of the manicure. He walked it into Toby. Toby watched it. Loved it, and especially loved my cameo as the hitchhiker, all 28 seconds of it. And uh, two years later, when they were casting uh, Chainsaw Number 2, uh, I got the call, and I got the job without auditioning. How cool Based is on that? the Chainsaw Manicure. So my fear uh, you know, and loathing of, of the original ended up uh, finally being cured by joining the family. See, that's wonderful. You know, I realized I was so frightened of these people, and then all of a sudden I'm one of them, and, you know, it's like, uh, there you go. It is a wonderful thing. Bill Mosley, ladies uh, and gentlemen. You know, I, have, I haven't stopped. <laughs> you haven't stopped loving them? Yeah. Uh, the, it, well, I haven't stopped working in 32 years, so no, I that's guess a good it was thing. a good deal. ChopTopsBBQ.com, correct? Yeah. That's fantastic. Bill, thank you for your time today. Happy Halloween to you, sir. All right. And I I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, wish you a happy uh, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Thanksgiving, too. But also keep an eye out for uh, the long-awaited sequel, The Devil's Rejects, called Three from Hell, which is uh, shot. Rob is now in post-production, and it should be coming out in early 2019. That's fantastic. Say hello, Rob, for me if you would, please. that's going to kick some butt. Oh, yeah. Those I movies sure will. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bill. Bill Mosley, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, people who like... who. Well, first of all, if you're involved in rock and roll and horror films, there's something wrong with you. I'm just saying. <laughs> everybody... I mean, it's not to say it's a bad thing. I'm just saying there's something wrong with you. That's just how it is. <laughs> you're right? not right. <laughs> yeah, there's, that's, a, that's a better way to put it. You're just not right. And that's you know just how it is. But... You know, what's really funny about that is most guys you would think that are involved in, you know, Rob Zombie movies, all the rest of it, would have a voice like mine, kind of raspy. Yeah, and yeah. Whatever. This guy's like, hey, you know, it was a lot of fun. Everything's really good. It's <laughs> not like some, you know, suburban kid. Well, he's from Barrington, Illinois. Yeah. It's a pretty wealthy area, isn't it? Yeah, very nice. The Barrington Barn. That's just, there was a restaurant there or some sort of thing there. It was an expensive place to go. I just, I don't know. It, it is one of my favorite times of the year. Well, again, it starts with Andy's birthday, goes to... Halloween goes to my birthday, goes to Thanksgiving, goes to Christmas, goes to New Year's Eve. It's a, it's 90 days of hustling, man. It's pretty amazing. Do you, you have your uh, inflatable uh, uh, Francine? Witch? Francine the wit is it a Francine witch? is right there for one more, two more nights, tonight, tomorrow night, and then we switch over to Tom Turkey. 
Yeah, okay. And then from that, Santa in the Globe. It pops up uh, the day the day after, or the night of Thanksgiving, I guess, we put up Santa. Oh, cool. So it all works out. And, people, and you know what? People call into the KQ Morning Show and go, I see you put Francine up. <laughs> so they drive by to see if Francine is up. She's about a 15 to 20 foot tall inflatable witch that we put up at the end of our, well, where the gate is, actually. I know. That's, that's, a, that's a sweet thing you do. And you really love the holidays. Well, that's because you had great experiences as a kid. Oh, oh that, was, that was the time that you were, were able to relax or get your mind off whatever was going on. Here. I think so. And plus, the, the, it was always a great joy. Well, I was just talking about this yesterday. You know, I'd be busting my ass working here and working in the, you know, the, the, the voiceover business and doing a morning show and doing all that stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me, working like a dog. And then Friday, I would get home at about 5 o'clock every Friday, and Andy and Alex would be, let's say, 9 and 7. And every Friday night, they go, pizza time. And it would just make me happy as hell. Yeah. It just would. I love that stuff. Pizza time. Well, Fawn, while I was sitting here waiting to go on the show, uh, she FaceTimed me to make sure that I saw her ice cubes melting. Mm. So I love that stuff. I just let you know, look, pop, pop, my ice cubes are melting. It's like, <laughs> okay, that's really fascinating. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Very interesting. But I do. And the fact that a two-year-old wants to reach out to her grandfather, I think, is great. Well, I think the idea of uh, social media, even with you know my grandson, six months old, when the FaceTime starts, he recognizes it as something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. They do. You're it, 100% it right. It is such a powerful um, thing. And, and I never really appreciate it, but they respond at such an early age. Yeah, that's very true. Because even I know the sage... Uh, he's four months old, about to turn yep. five months old, and you're right. They they look at it and they look at you, and they can't really figure out why you're not there. But they look at you, and, and maybe they do think you're there. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, however, their brain or the maturity of their brain, and they their their, their reality maybe. Oh, Bob Pop's here. <laughs> yeah, I just see him. Bob Bob, I love that stuff. All right, so just remember this when you're out uh, trick-or-treating tomorrow night. You're having fun with your kids. At least your last name is not Janky Anus. So that's the good news. <laughs> that's the good news for you. It's the good news for me. How, how do you not think your kid's going to be a criminal with the last name of Janky Anus? Nah. And they did hyphenate it, by the way. It's hyphenated. It's like, what are you doing? Just pick one, Janky or Anus. Not yeah. both. Yeah, not both. And go with Anus, or- as Andy, Andy's pronouncing it, Anus. Yeah. Probably. Well, you know, Brad Blanks, his real last name is Anals. Mm, Brad right. Blanks' real last name is, is Brad Anals is well, his name. No wonder he goes by Blanks. <laughs> I suppose that's true. We will talk to you tomorrow, and that will be Halloween. Have a great day.